mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up, the Motor Trend Car of the Year for 2022 is sending shockwaves through the auto industry in more ways than one, because the company behind it is as significant as the vehicle itself. Also this morning, now that we've had our first taste of winter weather, does this past weekend snow give us a hint of a harsh season to come? With the holidays coming, the return of international tourism and easing of domestic restrictions, one of the hardest hit sectors of the economy is roaring back to life in a big way, giving rise to a growing trend that industry insiders are calling revenge travel. And the folks at Stonebridge Church are busy getting ready and preparing all the trimmings for this year's community Thanksgiving dinner. We'll get details. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Tuesday, November 16th, 2021. The 320th day of 2021, 45 days remaining in the year. Today is have a party with your bear day. (laughs) Have a party with your bear today. It is the International Day for Tolerance, National Button Day, and National Fast Food Day today as well. So there is that. Reasons to celebrate this morning. A follow-up to a story that we were talking about last week, I believe it was, maybe on Friday, perhaps, we mentioned this. Um, In Portugal, they have a new law. It's now passed and uh, been signed into law. Last week, we were talking about it and said that it had been proposed, and they were talking about it and thinking about making this a law. Well, now they actually have. It requires, it's it's a new set of labor laws, which... uh, which prohibit employers from contacting workers outside of working hours. You know, we've all got our our cell phones. We're all constantly connected these days. And so it is very easy for the boss to call you or text you or email you uh, during your off time. Now that is banned in Portugal. Can't do that. Uh, The law says workers should have the right to at least 11 consecutive hours of what they call night rest, during which they should not be contacted for work except for emergencies. Now, I smell a loophole here, because how do you define emergencies? I guess the courts will sort that out. Uh, Among the other new labor laws that have passed in Portugal, employers must also now contribute to a staff's work-from-home expenses. Like, if you're working from home, uh, your boss has to help you pay for your internet and even your electricity costs during the working hours. So that's interesting. But what what really caught my eye on this, among all of these new restrictions on employers, requirements for employers, one of the provisions not passed by Portuguese lawmakers was that a proposal to give workers the right to disconnect in the sense that they would have the right to turn off their work devices at the end of the day. So that was not included. Your, your boss can't contact you except in an emergency. But on the flip side, you cannot turn off your work device at the end of the day. So I don't know. That's uh, just in case there's an emergency, I guess. So anyway, just to follow up on that, it is now actually law in Portugal. Uh, Ohio Attorney General Dave Yost has been making headlines, made headlines yesterday, filed a suit against 
the parent company of Facebook, Meta, charging that it misled the public about the potential harm from its products, including Facebook and Instagram. Now, remember, a week or two ago, this was all over the news. Uh, the whistleblower at Facebook who testified before Congress and leaked uh, internal memos and documents that showed that Facebook and particularly Instagram have negative mental health consequences, particularly for children, particularly for teen girls, and yet that the company didn't care, apparently. And that was the charge. Um, So AG Dave Yost has filed a lawsuit uh, on that deception on behalf of, the suit was filed on behalf of the Ohio Public Employee Retirement System because they have invested uh, those retirement funds in Facebook. That's one of the investments that the uh, retirement system holds. And uh, the attorney general contends that Facebook knowingly made false statements about the safety, security, and privacy of its platforms. And uh, they are, and that caused the, uh, and then when that came to light, uh, it caused the company's stock to lose value causing the public employee retirement system and investors to lose more than $100 billion. The suit is looking to recover that lost stock value and wants Facebook to make changes to ensure it doesn't mislead the public in the future. So that's the premise for the lawsuit. A lot of folks are saying this smells of political opportunistic uh, opportunism. So anyway... So that's uh, one of the stories that people are buzzing about today. Uh, Let's see. What else is uh, going on? Oh, here's good news for vegans. If you know a vegan uh, now, or if you are a vegan, you... Excuse me. (coughs) Excuse me. I get all choked up about this uh, because it's such great news. (laughs) If you are or you know someone who is a vegan, you no longer have to do without cheese. Scientists based in Singapore have created a new vegan-friendly cheese out of algae. Out of algae. The creators say it mimics traditional cheese with a tangy taste profile that uh, tastes just like cheddar, basically. But it's made out of algae. I don't know. Uh, The company uh, that employs these scientists that have developed this... uh, algae-based vegan cheese says, quote, we will use local food waste and limited amounts of water to produce microalgae. Mmm, yum. I can't wait. Speaking of food, Thanksgiving right around the corner. Nearly two-thirds of unvaccinated, or let's try that again. Nearly two-thirds of vaccinated Americans are banning unvaccinated family members from their holiday gatherings this year. A survey of 2,000 U.S. residents conducted by one poll examined how the COVID-19 vaccine has impacted people's relationships with their loved ones ahead of the holidays. And according to the results, two in three respondents in this poll feel that they cannot go home for the holidays without getting vaccinated first. Of the 65% who are fully vaccinated, nearly 6 in 10. 58% overall have reportedly cut off family members who refuse to get the vaccine. So, 
Hmm. Is that... I don't know where you're going for Thanksgiving, uh, but is there that uh, restriction in place? Have your family members informed you that if you're not vaccinated, you're not welcome? Kind of interesting. Uh, I would assume that everyone is vaccinated in this. You remember the story? This was years ago, six years ago, as a matter of fact. Um, Jamal Hinton uh, spent Thanksgiving with Wanda Dench after she accidentally sent a text message inviting him over for the holiday. Uh, You remember the story? She was trying to make Thanksgiving plans with her grandkids and she uh, and she texted, hey, you're, you know, Thanksgiving is at our house and giving all the details, but she got the wrong number. And uh, Jamal said, jokingly, can I still get a plate, though? I said, I'm not your grandson, but can I still get a get a plate? And uh, Wanda texted back, of course, that's what grandmas do. Feed everyone. And so he did. He went over for Thanksgiving and now it has become a, a tradition for the sixth year in a row. Uh, Jamal will be celebrating the holiday with uh, Wanda Dench and her family. <laughs> They've spent time together every Thanksgiving since and is and are set to continue the tradition this year. So that's pretty cool. And I think hopefully everyone is vaccinated. But uh, there you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Tuesday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. The WTOL 11 first alert forecast, partly sunny today with a high of 50, partly cloudy tonight, a low of 42. The Hancock County Sheriff's Office is investigating what they're calling a suspicious death at a residence a little east of Findlay. The Sheriff's Office says it received a 911 call from someone at a home on Township Road 205 a little after 6 a.m. Monday. Responding deputies met up with the 911 caller at the scene and discovered a deceased individual inside the house. The sheriff's office called in the Ohio Bureau of Criminal Investigation to help with the investigation, and you can get more on it on our website. The number of people hospitalized in Ohio with COVID has been slowly rising again. The Ohio Department of Health reported that there were 2,551 people hospitalized. That's up 379 from eight days ago. In September, the number had climbed to above 3,700, but had fallen until recently. There are 714 COVID patients in intensive care. Overall, the state says 25,643 have died. 5,500 of those have died in just over the last five months. Dave James, in News. A big setback for the local Toys for Tots campaign. Somebody stole dozens of boxes containing around 2,000 donated toys from a storage unit. Larry DeVelvis, the coordinator for Hancock and Southern Wood County, is confident that this giving community will rise to the challenge. All we can hope is that, that people will dig a little deeper and, and try a little harder and hope that we'll get this done this year, just like all the other years. Larry says they still plan on distributing around 6,000 toys to kids this holiday season, and he's asking people to keep their eyes peeled for donation boxes and jars all around town and to donate what they can. Get more on the Toys for Tots campaign on our website. For the second year, the Kiwanis Club of Findlay is converting Santa's house into Santa's mailbox. Children and families can write their letters to Santa and drop them off at special post boxes. Kiwanians will then help Santa and his elves write personalized letters in return. The Kiwanis Club says Santa's house will return in its traditional form at St. Andrew's Church in downtown next year. Get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. 
Well, Motor Trend has announced its Car of the Year for 2022. And in case you haven't heard, it is the Lucid Air, the all-electric car with some pretty eye-popping specs. Ed Lowe is Motor Trend's head of editorial. And Ed, you knew when I saw the press release announcing the date of the announcement, uh, it said something like, this is going to send a jolt through the auto industry uh, in more ways than one, as it turns out. So you knew that this one would raise some eyebrows and turn some heads. Absolutely. Uh, it's a phenomenal vehicle. The Lucid Air, our 2022 car of the year. Uh you know, if you just look at the numbers, I mean, it has an EPA estimated 520 mile range. If you get the biggest battery, that is far and away the longest pure electric driving range of any vehicle currently available uh, on the market. It's the most efficient electric vehicle uh, basically ever sold. And then if you look at the maximum horsepower, you can get 1,111 horsepower <laughs> out of this vehicle. It'll do zero to 60 in 2.4 seconds. I mean, anywhere you look at it, it's a pure numbers machine, but then you look at it, you know, as it goes down the road and you're like, man, that's a really gorgeous, futuristic yeah. looking vehicle. It's like nothing else on the road. It's just, it's, it's phenomenal. So we'll start off uh, at, at the beginning, actually here. Tell us a little bit about this company itself, because not everyone is familiar with Lucid. I mean, we know Tesla and we know, you know, the, the big three automakers are, you know, coming out with their own, well, all of the major automakers are coming out with their own uh, electric offerings. But in this case, is the company as important as the car itself? It's a great question, and absolutely. So, yes, the, the parent company of the Lucid Air, Lucid Motors, not a household name yet, uh, but they're a newcomer to the space. They were founded in 2007. They make uh, batteries for uh, electric cars, a lot of racing cars, actually. And, um, you know, they're, this is a first for them. This is their first electric vehicle, and this is some history because it's the first time Motor Trend, uh, we've been giving out the award since 1949, this is the first time we've given our most prestigious award to the very first offering from a car manufacturer. And it just so happens to be this small startup out in the Silicon, out in Silicon Valley, out in yeah. the San Francisco Bay Area. And uh, they're, they're just tremendous. They have a ton of expertise. Their CEO, Peter Rawlinson, actually was the former chief engineer of the Tesla Model S, which won our car of the year back in 2013. Now, last month, you announced the SUV of the year, which is the Genesis GV70, right? Yes. And, and now the car of the year, and then next month will be the truck of the year that you will announce. Why not put electric, and there's a reason I asked this question, why not put electric vehicles kind of in their own category? That's a great question, and here's the thing. Uh, there's a joke I like to tell, which is, uh, you, know, you, know, you know what they call Thai food in Thailand? They call it food. Food. <laughs> you know what we're going to call? You know what we're going to call electric cars when they're all electric? We're going to call them cars. So, you know, we've been giving, uh, again, this award since 1949. We were the first to give uh, Tesla their, our biggest award. We're, the, you know, the biggest award of any kind. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then we gave Chevy Bolt uh, car of the year as well. Right. Now Lucid Air. There'll be a time when there's going to be more cars on the road that are electrified or full electric. Well, and it's, it's, so it's not worth, I think, breaking the award out when, um, you know, all we're going to measure this, this technology against all existing technology. Yeah. And, that and that's kind of the, the reason I asked the question is to lead into the next one. Does this 
signal a shift. As you mentioned, it is not the first time an electric vehicle uh, has, uh, although this is historic for the other reasons you were mentioned, it's not the first electric vehicle that's won car of the year. Is this just an, another example of the shift that we are seeing in the auto industry? Totally. So, you know, if you look back at when we gave uh, Tesla car of the year in 2013, that was like the first of sort of moment. Then Chevrolet got it, and that represents sort of the mainstream effort. Mm-hmm. Now this is almost like version version 2.0, right? We're we're seeing a tremendous movement towards electrification globally. Electric vehicle sales are up 160 percent. More and more manufacturers, traditional, you know, the, the Detroit brands, Japanese, Korean manufacturers are all getting into this space, and so are the startups like Lucid. And they're not just building cars, you know, they're building trucks as well, which you know may or may not be a hint about our truck of the year announcement that we're going to make. (laughs) Uh, We'll just leave that there. Does it also signal a shift again, because this is a startup. This is not a, uh, you know, a Detroit traditional automaker. This is a Silicon Valley startup. Does that kind of signal a shift in the auto industry uh, in the way it's of its overall makeup? Yes, totally. And I think what you're seeing is, a super competitive space. It's no longer just the realm of traditional auto manufacturers. You have a lot of newcomers. You know, fundamentally, everything's moving not just towards electrification, but just digital in general. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of code in these vehicles. There's a lot of, uh, you know, ones and zeros in all the vehicles you drive. And what that has done is it's opened up opportunities for tech forward startups to get into this space if they can figure out the hardware component. Where so this is a big deal. Where does the where do all of these startups go once the big manufacturers uh, really go all in? I mean, again, all of the major manufacturers are talking about uh, a lot of uh, electric offerings within the next 20, 30 years or, or less, sometimes in the next decade. So when the GMs and the Fords and the Toyotas uh, go all in on electric vehicles, can these startups still survive, though? Yeah. I mean, look, that's a, that's a great question. I think you, there's a multiple ways to look at it. One is if you go back to when the first car uh, companies started up, there were hundreds of them, literally. Yeah. And then they all consolidated. You know, General Motors bought a whole bunch of brands and right. then one big company. Ford bought a bunch of brands, too. There's a consolidation that's probably going to happen as more of these vehicle manufacturers come online. But frankly, you're not going to see all the brands survive. So not just on the startup side, you're going to start to see some of these traditional manufacturers who don't have a cohesive, comprehensive product strategy around electrification. Hmm. They're going to go away real fast if they don't get their, their stuff together. Or may get swallowed up by the uh, by the big manufacturers. Exactly. Like what so we saw back in the early yeah. days, as you mentioned, with the consolidation of all of those car companies under the umbrella that became General Motors, for example. Um, you know, yeah. the other thing that is, uh, you know, turning heads about this particular selection of the Lucid air is uh the price tag this is not a mainstream uh middle american vehicle that's going to be in every garage not by a long shot well you know i keep hearing that the rich just keep getting richer and there's more of them right so yes this is this is a this is a luxury car for sure it does start uh, at seventy seven thousand dollars but yeah it does top out at around one hundred sixty nine thousand dollars, which is a lot of money for sure but that being said you should look at the sort of competitive set, it goes up again. So, you know, Mercedes-Benz S-Class or their new EQS sedan, Mm -hmm. the Tesla Model S, you know, they have vehicles that go upwards of this much as well. Porsches, 
you know, there's a lot to compete against in the luxury space. And I'll tell you what, though, the, the most fascinating thing about it is that the technology that Lucid Motors brings with the Lucid Air, if you think about what can come in the future, they've already announced plans for an SUV. They'll likely do something smaller than that. The technology transfer means that they can build a car at a lower price point that will likely blow away anything else out there, just given the technology that's on display in our 2022 car of the year. Well, that's a a very good point. I mean, even when VCRs first came out, they were uh, well beyond the reach of many Americans, and we know what happened uh, in the years since, so who knows? But it is certainly a historic selection, the uh, Lucid Air, this year's Motor Trend Car of the Year for 2022. Ed Lowe is Motor Trend Head of Editorial with us uh, this morning. And where do we get uh, more information on uh, this year's winning vehicle? Well, I'm glad you asked. So the story is up right now on MotorTrend.com. So, you know, your, your listeners can go there. Also, could pick up the January issue of Motor Trend Magazine. That should be on newsstands very soon. And also, you know, if you want to order one, go to LucidMotors.com and they'll take your reservation. Well, we've already had our first snow of the season, so some of this, uh, I I guess, maybe may not even be relevant. I'm not going to ask when our first snow of the year is going to be because we've already had it. Chris Vickers is with us, Chief Meteorologist for uh, WTOL uh, on the line, and and, um, that was going to be my first, as I was planning this, uh, speaking to you today, I was thinking, well, I'm going to ask, when is our first snowfall going to be? You already took care of that for us. so Exactly right. Well, first, good morning to everybody. It's great to be along with you. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, you know, the first snowfall of the season, always a little bit of a, a shock to the system. Yeah. And, and it seems like we're a little bit of a time warp here because mid-November came up quickly on us. And this is actually right on average for when we typically see the first minor accumulating snowfall of the year. And by the time we get toward the end of this month and early December is generally on average where we see our first around an inch or more of snowfall. So it is the season for snow to be flying. You know, it's interesting because I know a lot of folks looked at what happened over the weekend and, oh my goodness, we've got snow and uh, we've been kind of hearing the rumblings that maybe this might be a snowier, uh, colder winter than normal. And is this a an indication of that? But you say this is usually about uh, the time that we get the first snow. So having it this past weekend doesn't necessarily portend anything one way or the other in and of itself. That's exactly right. You know, scientifically speaking, there's very little connection from one season to another. So let's take this for what it is now. Our fall season so far uh, in and around, you know, Finley and Northwest Ohio has been one of the warmest autumn seasons ever on record. So right now we're number two on the list. The only season that at least to date that's been warmer was back in 2016. So our average temperature has been incredibly warm. So many people will speculate, well, what does that mean for the upcoming winter season? There's generally very little correlation or connection from one season directly to Hmm. another. So just because we've had a, a, a warm and in many respects across Northwest Ohio, quite wet autumn season 
That doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to have a snowy uh, winter ahead yeah. or, or perhaps an inverse of that, a very cold winter ahead. So seasonal connections, uh, there's very little scientific data that shows that you can connect one season to the next. So okay, we've enjoyed a really warm autumn season. There's no doubt about that. Uh, that's that's actually good to know because I know some people will try and, and make that connection either one way or the other that it's an, an, an indication that it's going to be uh, good or bad or whatever. Okay, so... Uh, with that out of the way, then what is the prediction? I know you've been working on the uh, winter outlook for Northwest Ohio. What do you see ahead for the uh, coming months? Oh, and it's the million-dollar question, isn't it, that everybody wants to know. So I've done a really deep dive into some of the data over the past several weeks. And really, this, this type of forecast is extremely challenging uh, to forecast even – seven to 10 days in the future. As we all know here in Northwest Ohio, right. we have some in- inherent... Heck, difficulty. sometimes seven to 10 minutes into the future is uh, difficult yeah. to forecast. So, <laughs> Right. So seasonal forecasting is different. We look at different data. We look at different uh, comparisons. We look at different situations. It- it's a different mindset, so to speak, when we're extrapolating out to what a season will look like. So I'll give you an example of some of the data that I look at and ultimately how it gets us to our prediction. And by the way, we're going to have a deep dive this week on Thursday on WTOL 11. Uh, you'll see the official full winter weather outlook, but I'm happy to give you guys the preview. Okay. So several things that we look at. The first thing that we look at is what type of scheme are we in right now? Are we in an El Nino or La Nina weather pattern? Now, this is a generally a global circulation that can oscillate uh, every several years back and forth between an El Nino to a La Nina. It's based or measured by uh, oceanic uh, heat content and oceanic temperatures across uh, equatorial regions. You may be thinking, well, that sounds great if I've got a tropical vacation plan. But it's larger than that, so to speak, that the changes in our ocean and our atmosphere can alter the global circulations all across the world. We happen to be in a La Nina phase this winter, and and very high confidence on this one that we're going to mirror a La Nina winter pattern. Now, generally for our area, that equates to a more active, unsettled weather pattern. But more recently, it's also trended toward, generally speaking, milder winter. So we very well could see a winter that features above average, uh, average precipitation with at or above average temperatures. Now, that doesn't obviously always equate then to more snow because yeah. we could get a higher instance of rain events, perhaps even ice events. And, of course, the inevitable snow that will be mixed in. Yeah, that's what I was going to mention. I mean, just because you say, uh, you know, this is likely to be active and unsettled, that doesn't necessarily mean we're going to get 12 feet of snow. Uh, I mean, that that could be any number of things. I guess basically the message there uh, in terms of winter preparedness is to just be prepared for maybe a lot of different things to happen. We'll have to, you know, pay close attention one day to the next. Absolutely. There's no doubt about that one. And I, and I do think overall that our winter season will be milder than average. Several of our winter seasons, even in, in recent times, have trended that way. Mm-hmm. We really haven't had a harsh winter uh, since, you know, the, the 2013 uh, to 2014 and then 2014 to 2015. So it's been about six straight years now where we've had winter seasons 
that have been at or above average with temperatures. So we all remember those really harsh winters, uh, yeah. you know, back around 2013 and 2014 when we first heard the term polar vortex. Exactly. And it, and it shocked us and got our attention. That is another thing that I will be looking at because there is good science and good data behind what we know and understand about the polar vortex as well. Now, w- disruptions in that polar vortex can send extremely cold Arctic air down into Northwest Ohio. That happens on any given winter season. We felt it this past winter season for about two weeks in the middle of February, Mm -hmm. and that was about it. Outside of that, some cold weather in February this past winter, we actually had a pretty mild winter. We're looking at some of the data that's showing at least early in this winter season, that it's a very stable polar vortex. There's, uh, uh, it's very strong well, that, and very stable, which keeps that colder air higher up into the Arctic regions. It that, takes a weaker or a disturbed polar vortex that sends colder Arctic air down into our into our region. Well, that's no indication that we see that for early winter. Yet. Yeah, that that's just fine. They can keep it. Uh, that's because I, I was going to because I was going to say uh, when you use uh, the word harsh uh, in describing the winter, that's uh, that can definition can vary depending on you know, how you how you look at what uh, exactly defines a, a harsh winter. Is it too early to even project? how late into the year uh, it might be before we see some kind of a, of a break. I mean, you know, I don't want to ask, you know, when is spring going to arrive, but is, is there any indication that it's going to be the roughest part of it is going to be uh, early versus late or anything like that? We do have, we do have some insight onto that. It looks like it would be a slower Start to winter season, meaning some of the recent mild weather that we've had does look to uh, maintain into uh, the first part of the winter season, especially into December. Now, you know, mild is relative this time of the year. We lose quickly on our on our averages. You know, those fall back to the 40s and eventually into the 30s very quickly. So uh, all that is taken with a grain of salt and relative to normal. Um, it, it, it would appear that, that similar to last year's La Nina, our, our, our better chance of colder weather and snowy weather is going to be back end loaded okay. towards the middle and end of winter. So we'd be looking at perhaps the late January, mid February time frame. you know, right in the heart of winter. You know, about the time of the year that we've all but, had enough. Exactly. Of the cold well, and that's, so, yeah, that's what I was going to say. When but, we may get some of that higher variability and some of that colder air. That's what I was going to say. So enjoy the milder stuff now, uh, because it looks like that is uh, we're going to uh, be left with the uh, colder stuff at the back end. So uh, definitely something worth noting. Again, uh, Chris Vickers, Chief Meteorologist, WTOL 11. You mentioned uh, what Thursday you're going to do a deep dive into all of this, right? Thursday, deep dive on WTL 11. And of course, we'll have that uh, posted to our website as well, all my digital platforms. So you'll be able to see more in depth the science behind what we do when we winter weather forecast and and, um, how we go into it and all the things that we look at each and every season to put out what we hope is the most accurate winter weather forecast that we can provide, understanding that, that predicting the weather, you know, weeks and months in advance is more just identifying patterns and clues, not necessarily putting exact values or digits on that. All so right. um, it, it, it's, it's challenging, but it's fun. And I do have to ask, Chris, 
do you still want that that order for Christmas Eve snow through Christmas Day? <laughs> hey, you know what? No, I want a white December Christmas. 26. I want a white Christmas, and then all of the snow can go away. That's just me. But well, I think you're I think you're in the majority on that one. The most popular request each and every year is we get snow on December 24th, and it's melted by December 26th. <laughs> there we go. So we'll cross our fingers. Chris, thanks very much for the update. We appreciate it. I uh, appreciate checking in with you guys this morning. Take care. We were mentioning the other day yesterday on the uh, program, I believe it was, uh, talking about the resurgence of travel. Now that we're uh, coming into the holiday season and travel restrictions are beginning to ease, we're seeing international borders reopen again. And so all of these things coming together at just the right time to create a huge influx in travel demand, which is certainly good news for the travel and tourism industry, one of the hardest hit sectors of the economy during the pandemic. And it is a trend that insiders have dubbed revenge travel. Industry expert Colleen McDaniel is with us this morning. She is editor-in-chief of Cruise Critic. Colleen, what exactly is this revenge travel thing all about? So revenge travel is a concept that kind of emerged here during the pandemic. After months and months and months of being cooped up, people are ready to get out there and explore, and explore in a big way. So our cruisers tell us that they are ready to be out there on cruise ships. They want to take long cruises, and they want to book them now. So just like a lot of other sectors of the economy, we've got this pent-up demand that's sorting to starting to explode. Obviously, we know how much the pandemic impacted the cruise industry. And so I'm guessing that savvy consumers can maybe leverage some of that. You've got some uh, good deals. This is definitely the time of year to book. We have been watching this time of year for, for a long time, and it's emerging as, as the best time to really snag a deal. And so we're really excited to see some of the deals that are on the horizon. Uh, if you want to book a little bit before Cyber Monday uh, or Black Friday, uh, starting November 16th, Norwegian Cruise Line is introducing an offer that gives people 70% off second guest fare, which is a really terrific value, especially when combined with some of the other things they are offering, including free drinks, uh, free Wi-Fi, free shore excursions, and even money to spend on board. It's a nice offer, and it even covers uh, some of the new cruise ships that are coming next year for Norwegian, that is Norwegian Prima, and that ship is debuting next summer, and it's really designed to uh, connect people to the sea in a wholly new way. So it's got big open spaces, a promenade, and even glass boardwalks designed to help people make that connection in a new way. So clearly, uh, the cruise lines are pulling out all the stops to get people back on board. And uh, obviously, that combined with the pent-up demand, as we were saying, uh, it is a good time. What are some of the destinations? We mentioned we're seeing borders reopen uh, just within the past few days, international uh, travel is becoming more accessible and so on. What are some of the destinations that people should consider uh, when they're booking a uh, cruise for the coming year? Anything in particular that you would recommend? Yeah, so there are a couple of destinations that we really love. Hawaii is right at the top. 
Hawaii is a beautiful destination. It's exotic, but it's also accessible. Now, I mentioned Norwegian Cruise Line. Um, they actually have year-round round-trip sailings from Hawaii on Pride of America. And the ship really serves as your inner island transport, maximizing your time in the island. Additionally, Alaska is another destination that is on many people's bucket lists and uh, opening back up next spring when the season begins. Cruising is the best way to see Alaska because nothing else offers the same kind of experience. When you're cruising, you get to see all those beautiful glaciers. You get to see wildlife right off the bow of your ship. Uh, and you're really exposed to the culture that makes Alaska so special. Um, of course, the Mediterranean has been hot this year, uh, reopening in Greece in particular. And finally, uh, the Caribbean is always a hot destination. It's especially great for people traveling with families who want a nice getaway with some sunshine, some terrific weather, uh, and that you can leave from, you know, the coast of the United States. You can leave from Florida, from Texas, uh, even from Alabama. So you can get to the Caribbean pretty easily. Again, industry expert Colleen McDaniel is editor-in-chief of Cruise Critic. Where do we get more information, more tips, and ideas? <laughs> if you are looking uh, for more information on the deals that I mentioned, you can visit ncl.com. If you're looking for information and tips on cruising, visit cruisecritic.com. All right, and uh, we have that linked up at our webpage as well, of course, goodmornings.net. Planning your revenge travel trip. Uh, some uh, really great advice there on uh, doing it in style and getting yourself a, a really good deal uh, in the uh, same at the same time. A lot of people going to be traveling as we uh, come up on the holiday season, whether it's to see family or just to get away from it all. You can hardly blame them after a year and a half of being cooped up, and it is certainly good news the travel and tourism industry. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veteran Services. We are not the only ones that get extreme weather conditions. And uh, you think, you know, we were talking about the uh, winter weather outlook a little bit earlier. If uh, you are wringing your hands over the possibility of extreme winter weather coming to our area, Count your lucky stars, because some extreme weather in Egypt has brought out a swarm of scorpions from their nests, resulting in hundreds of people in the southern city of Aswan, Egypt, being stung. As according to multiple news reports, at least 450 people were injured by scorpion stings on Friday alone. This is uh, according to the BBC, citing an Egyptian health ministry official. 450 people stung by scorpions on Friday alone. Heavy rain, hail, and dust storms near the River Nile have forced scorpions and snakes out of the ground. The scorpions, displaced by the weather, then sought shelter in people's homes. Egypt home to the fat-tailed scorpion, one of the most dangerous scorpion species in the world. Suddenly... I'm not all that concerned about uh, winter weather. Now, all of a sudden, <laughs> not all that concerned. At least we don't have scorpions invading our homes. So, it could be worse. Just a little public service there and let you know that uh, it's not as bad as it could be. Elsewhere in the broken news, also from the international file, 
A woman in New Zealand had to call police for help when she found herself being held hostage by a possum at her home. Being held hostage by a possum. The woman said she was unpacking her car. Uh, Apparently she'd gone to the store or whatever, picked up some groceries or what have you, and she's unpacking her car uh, in the Northeast Valley of New Zealand when she felt something run up her leg. She felt it run up her leg. She soon realized it was a possum, and she ran into her house to try and get away. But every time she tried then to go back outside to retrieve her goods from her car, the possum would reappear and charge at her. Police arrived at the woman's home and were speaking to her through a window because she was so afraid to open the door. And the possum then climbed the officer's leg. Officer was able able to stun the possum with a beam of his flashlight, and it was placed in a box with some uh, pet food. The animal then was relocated to an area far away from the woman's home. Police believe the animal may have been formerly kept as a pet, uh, or perhaps was just recently separated from its mother and was looking for some safety and security, but still. <laughs> you have a possum run up your leg. That is not good. Domestically, in the broken news, uh, 32-year-old Paul Fracasso. uh, This is in uh, Draper, Utah. 32-year-old Paul Fracasso and another man decided that they, they wanted a pizza. They were hanging out, I don't know, probably watching sports or whatever, decided to order a pizza. When they arrived at the local Papa John's to pick up the pizza that they had ordered over the phone, workers explained that the system was down and unfortunately the order never got processed. Uh, Obviously, this angered Mr. Fracasso and his friend. Both men became very upset, as you would imagine. I think we've all had that happen at one time or another. So uh, Mr. Fracasso did what any reasonable person would do. He left the store, but then returned on a dirt bike and shot up the place, firing several shots at the store, shattering the glass windows. <laughs> Nobody was injured in the uh, pizza shop attack, but uh, <laughs> that is not the way to handle it when, you're, when the uh, pizza shop does not have your order ready. Not the best way to handle that. <clears throat> he is now in trouble with the law, as you might imagine. Um, an Iowa man headed to prison for forging and counterfeiting a quarter of a million dollars in postage. In postage, a a judge has sentenced 43-year-old Bradley Matheny to three years in federal prison. Evidence at trial showed that Mr. Matheny forged and counterfeited postage meter stamps for his online business to the tune of a quarter million dollars. Dollars. He was convicted in a jury trial earlier this year. Can you imagine having to explain that to your cellmate when you get to the slammer? What are you in for? Felonious postage counterfeiting. Malicious mailing. <laughs> Malicious mailing. Don't mess with me. <laughs> And finally, in the broken news this morning, out of Memphis, Tennessee, uh, police were called 
to uh, get help in removing a woman from a uh, bar when she was causing a disturbance at a uh, an establishment on Beale Street in Memphis, a uh, famous strip uh, on, on Beale Street in Memphis. That's where you go. And uh, apparently this woman was enjoying herself a little bit too much. But you, you feel for officers because you never know what you're going to walk into uh, in a call like this. I mean, it seems like something a pretty routine call. Got to remove this patron. She's being uh, disruptive and so on. So we just want to throw her out of the bar. Cops were called to the green room to deal with an intoxicated customer. But police records show that the customer identified as Molly Coffey uh, was allegedly inebriated to the extreme, refused to leave the bar. Uh, she is accused of biting the responding officer and striking him in the head as he tried to escort her from the bar. He had to use his taser and needed an assist from other officers to take her into custody. You got to feel for these cops is you never know what you're walking into with a... Uh, situation like that my goodness there you go uh that is uh, today's broken news this update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service more or less of hancock county veteran services we now return you to your regularly scheduled programming wfin says thank you for listening and remember you can listen around the clock on computer smartphone or tablet start your day with chris oaks and good mornings and stay with us all day long you also get cbs sports radio plus all of our locally originated sports programming listen live whenever you like at 1330 wfin 95.5 fm and at wfin.com where you can also grab our free mobile apps for ios or android now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. Hard to put into words the reaction that I had when I heard the story that we first reported yesterday afternoon that the local Toys for Tots campaign uh, was the victim of theft. Apparently someone stole 40 boxes of donated toys worth about $20,000 from local Toys for Tots campaign. I mean, who does this? Where? Who is this Grinch that has stolen toys donated for kids at Christmas? Um, it's just a an alarming story. Now, local Toys for Tots campaign says they're going to redouble their efforts. They're going to make sure that uh, the, the kids that they've you know promised toys to are going to have a Merry Christmas, and and uh, they're putting out the call for people to step up and, and be extra generous uh, this year. But I happen to see this, and maybe this is some counterbalancing of uh, that story. New survey of 2,000 American adults conducted by one poll finds that 90% of Americans have contributed to a charity and feel better about themselves when they do so, actively giving back Actually makes us feel better. So I'm speaking to whoever that Grinch is that stole its uh, toys and toys for tots. You feel better when you actually give back. 90% of Americans uh, say they uh, actually feel better when they give. Survey found that good deeds are rewarding because of hidden mental and physical health benefits. Causing the people to perform these good deeds to feel happy. 92%. Uh, said that they feel happy when they give back. 77% say they feel more relaxed. 71% say they feel healthy. 
healthier when they uh, contribute to charity. There's actually a positive health effect. Three quarters of those polled believe that if they do a good deed, then the next person will pay it forward. And so there is something in that knowledge that uh, someone somewhere will pay it forward when they do a good deed, according to 75%. So, again, maybe just a uh, uh, reaffirmation of the inherent good in society, even though we hear these stories of people doing dastardly things like stealing donated toys for kids at Christmas time. But uh, it does maybe restore your faith in humanity, knowing that in large measure, many of us will step up and uh, and make it right. So here's hoping that uh, we have enough. And I know in this community we have enough good people uh, that it will happen. But uh, wow is all you can say after hearing a story like that. Well, it is hard to believe that we are a week and a half away from Thanksgiving, less than that now, uh, from Thanksgiving, and the uh, folks at Stonebridge Church are busy getting ready, preparing all the trimmings for this year's community Thanksgiving dinner. Stephanie Shack is with us from uh, Stonebridge, and uh, this really, over the years, has become such a labor of love for the uh, folks at the church. Uh, how many yeah. years is this? And we so, were trying to think earlier, and I, I can't even remember I when know. this wasn't happening. I know, and truthfully, the history of the meal in general is kind of a little bit like an urban legend, depending on who you ask. There are some different versions of how many years and things like that. I know right. I personally, this will be either my eighth or ninth yeah. um, meal that I've been a part of, and it was around long, long before, before I that. was here. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, Now, once again, we should mention right up front, once again this year, it's going to be a little different. Uh, folks, remember yes. last year, yes. uh, it was uh, an all-to-go thing. There was not a dine-in option, yep. and that's unfortunate, but better safe than sorry. Exactly. With all good things, COVID has brought change, and so last year we <laughs> went to just the delivery meals and the drive through and out mm-hmm. of an abundance of caution, we're going to stay that way again this year. Yeah. Um, so if you're in Finley City Limits, you can get a meal delivered right to your doorstep or we'll have our drive through option open. You don't even have to get out of your car. So and, and this is all on Thanksgiving Day. Correct. What time? What's the time frame for this? Yeah. yeah. So delivery meals will be going out and the drive through will be open both um, from about nine to one. OK. So delivery meals, we hope, will be done a little sooner than that. But and, and people can drive through anytime between nine and one. And I know that in previous years, when you have had the uh, drive-through option, it, it's or when you've had the dine-in option, rather, um, it, it's been like in excess of two thousand meals that yeah. you have served. What is the? I mean, what did you do last year? What are you anticipating this year? So last year, we were, our numbers were a little lower than we um, expected. We've two, been right around the two thousand mark, give or take, for mm-hmm. the past. I mean, as long as I've been a part of the meal right and last year we were a little under our 2000 we are prepping for 2400 again this year just to be prepared yeah because you don't want to run out no uh, no we're gonna start cooking sunday we start cooking 80 turkeys (laughs) 80 80 turkeys 2400 people i mean i i know what it's like uh most people know what it's like to uh, prepare a meal for 10 or 12 people or their family that come over you're preparing for multiply that by a lot (laughs) 
2,400 people. So uh, that's a lot of food. It is. We have an awesome kitchen team. I can't speak too much to that. They don't allow me in the kitchen. It's better for everybody that way. Um, I say that about our Thanksgiving meal too, but anyway. But our kitchen guys are awesome. They, they, like I said, they'll start cooking turkeys on Sunday. They'll be cooking and prepping stuff throughout the week and we crank it out come Thanksgiving day. Man, I, it must, uh, it, it must be wonderful aroma to step in the church all next yes. week. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but at the same time, by the time the day after Thanksgiving comes around, I'm sure you're, you've had it with yams. Everybody's and ready to cranberries. be Cranberries. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. You talk about all of the food. There's always a need for donations. Um, there is. And a lot of this comes from the folks at the church. Like we said, it's a labor of love. And I know a point of pride that yeah. uh, the people of the church provide most of the, Honestly, the labor and donations. the people of our that. community, though, too. Like, that's one of the things we really pride ourselves on. It's, yeah. it's housed at Stonebridge, don't mm-hmm. get me wrong, but it's not completely Stonebridge meal. Yeah. It's the community's meal, for sure, for the different groups that get involved, different churches that help, different mm. Boy Scouts and Girl Scout groups. Yeah. Um, different sports sports teams um we're working Neat to with see so many yeah some of finley yeah. city schools this year too um but yes there are all kinds of needs that come with that so we still have some volunteer opportunities that are open um for the week of and thanksgiving day mm-hmm. uh, and we still have some perishable foods especially we're doing pretty well on like the canned goods and things like that but we are still looking for a few more turkeys okay we're a little shy of our 80 goal still all right and then we're definitely looking for pies and ready to eat rolls okay yeah so if folks want to donate, how do they do that? Yeah. So we have kind of a one-stop shop with our website. If you want to order, volunteer, donate goods, or donate financially, you can go all to the same website. And it's stonebridgechurch.org. Okay. Um, and then if you want to set up a time to come drop something off, you're welcome to call the office. That's 419 422 6862. And when do you need the donations in? Because like you said, you start actually preparing this weekend. Yeah. Turkeys we need by Sunday. Okay. And then pies and rolls we need by Tuesday or any of the canned goods by Tuesday. Okay. And uh, again, like you said, volunteer opportunities as well. uh, Any of the days leading up to or even on Thanksgiving Day. And you can volunteer uh, right at the website as well. Yep. To do what? I mean, what uh, are you looking for people to do? So we're looking for anything from we've got cooks and dishwashers. We've got folks who hang out in the parking lot, making sure people get where they need to be safely. Mm -hmm. We have people who are walking the line with the actual like to-go trays and packaging those up, people who are to the back and forth to the cars, um, to people who drive our delivery meals and take them out to people's homes and drop them off. Yeah. So lots of options. I can't even imagine the amount of work that goes into you know, preparing for all of this from cooking to delivering and, and making sure that it goes smoothly during the pickup and all of that. And we were talking just before we went on the air. Uh, it's a bit of controlled chaos. And I know there's a, a bit of <laughs> panic that sets in. Uh, yes. But in the in the end, it all works out. And it is such a gift for the community. One of the things that we like to emphasize is this is for anyone, whether yes. there is a quote unquote need. And Correct. there's certainly that for many people. But if it's just 
you want to be a part of this community event, yeah. folks are welcome. So. That's one of the really cool things, even with COVID kind of sidelining our dining room for a while, mm-hmm. we've seen a lot of people, one of our big things was just to provide community. And yeah. a lot of people are still doing that within their bubbles. Yeah. And so though they may get their um, family together at their home and have their meals delivered, they're still finding a way to have that community connection with each other. And that's Kind of what this has always been all about. Right. And and again, because everyone should be able to enjoy this meal on this day together, it, it yeah. is that sense of community. And that's why we emphasize it's not just uh, for the needy, it's right. for everyone. Yep. To- you just don't want to do dishes? We got you covered. (laughs) There we go. Now, um, again, go back and emphasize deadlines. We talked about the um, talked about the uh, deadline for donations, especially on the perishables. The turkeys need those in by uh, by the weekend. Um, And for folks to sign up, the sooner the better, obviously. Yeah, if you're going to volunteer, the sooner the better. Yep. And then the biggest deadline is our delivery cutoff. Yes. Yes. If you would like to have meals delivered to your home. You have to have your order placed by Tuesday at noon. Okay. We will literally shut off the phones at that point. Okay. Because we have to get all the routes put together and get everything ready. Yeah. Because this is a little bit more complex than just delivering a pizza. There are a lot of moving parts that go into it. Yes. Tuesday at noon. And again, uh, at the website, folks can sign up. You can go straight to the website, stonebridgechurch.org. Um, or on our website, there's also a phone number you can call. If computer's not your thing, you can okay. um, call the phone number and we'd be glad to take your order over the phone too. Oh, all right. Very good. And uh, is, is there a, a limit? I mean, if I call up and say, hey, I want a dinner for 20 people. Is nope, that something? Go for it. Can, okay. We've saved some Thanksgivings that the turkey didn't get thawed in time <laughs> that way. So whatever you need, we'll, we'll make back, work. Put that in the back of your mind right? uh, as well. <laughs> so uh, again, the uh, community Thanksgiving dinner is going to be a drive-thru and delivery event uh, this year at Stonebridge Church, but it is happening and it is good to know that the uh, tradition continues. And again, Stephanie Shack with us from uh, Stonebridge. Stephanie, thanks very much. Happy Thanksgiving. Same to you. And that will put a wrap on our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program, of course. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. That is goodmornings.net. You can also connect with us on social media. Shoot us an email if there's something you'd like to share directly. Sign up for our daily email newsletter and more. Goodmornings.net is our little corner of the World Wide Web. Till tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. Catch you back here tomorrow.